All right. Hello, everybody. I am Breck, a.k.a. Steve, or vice versa with Roleplaying Degenerates, and I'm here with James uh, with StoryForge. James, how are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. Just, you know, it's a very Monday Monday, but uh, <laughs> it's always better we can talk about uh, Dungeons & Dragons. So. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, I told every, I told James before we started, but as everyone can see, we're doing construction here um, with Roleplaying Degenerates, and we're hoping to get our dream kind of building made up soon out of my garage but right now it's just what you see in the wires and everything so i apologize for that um but james how'd you get started playing dungeons and dragons oh geez yeah this is always a good one so i always say i am a second generation D and -er. um and my dad and his buddies growing up they played first edition when it came out back in the 70s and uh so i was kind of indoctrinated from a young age on a lot of this stuff Surprisingly, you know, a lot of nerdy board games, Warhammer, a lot of stuff when I was a kid, but never D&D &D really until I got into college. Um, so and for me, you know, that would have been geez, 10, 15 years ago at this point. Um, so started in college with a group of friends and just, just went from there and, and, you know, was a player for a while. And then I've been a DM for three or four years at this point. So it was kind of off and on for a while. Yeah, but. Um, so. You're that, you said you're the first, you're kind of a second generation D&D &D player. Yeah. So did you get some exposure to it? Were there some late nights where you hear your, you hear your dad rolling a crit or your dad's had friends over, your parents might have had friends over playing D&D, &D, rolling some dice. Was that kind of a situation you ran into? So like, unfortunately, you know, I, I, I didn't know, like I'd heard that you played D&D &D growing up and like I never played with him until I came home from college and was like, hey dad, I played D&D &D. and he was like, you did? And he, like, immediately went to the store <laughs> and just bought, like, everything and came home with it. Um, yeah, it was pretty awesome. That's great. Um, but me and, me and my dad's best friend in kindergarten, he's, a, he's way, way into, you know, any any game. Uh, he's, like, been going to Gen Con for a long time. He's got, you know, he was there when, like, Magic the Gathering released. Like, that's, like, how, like, into gaming he is. You know, he will kind of come around every once in a while. That's part of my dad's little group. We will, we'll, we might play a pickup game here and there. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool to play across the generations like that. And then hear about all the grumblings between 1E and 3E and yeah. 5E. And all, so. <laughs> I, I just imagine when your dad heard those words on playing Dungeons & Dragons, he just took you by the shoulder and he's like, let me show you something. And then he just like oh. unfurls first edition blue box or something. He's like, this is what it was. Before. An ancient scroll. <sighs> And just like blows the dust <laughs> off it. Yeah, it was, it was pretty close to that. He was like, he was like telling me all about you know, his his uh, half half giant Lothar, who he had gotten to level twenty six, and they were like, I don't I don't even know if you go to level twenty six back in the day. They made a home page <clears> over that, but um, and they were like the the, the 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 classic dungeon crawler types, where like the DM is like trying to kill the players. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little different play style than like my group is used to, but yeah. It was very much like let me show you <laughs> yeah. I was there when it was written <laughs> so you're you're getting into college and you're playing this this game it sounds like you started at fourth edition um what what brought you into it like what brought you back into it or what brought you into D D? you've played warhammer and then all of a sudden you know you find D D. um so what was it that kind of got your attention yeah so i mean i'd always wanted to play D D, but it was one of those so complicated, especially fourth edition. There's a lot of rules in fourth edition. And I just was like, I, I, there's, you know, my brother and I might have tried at one point, and it was just kind of a failure. And then one of my good friends, who's really smart, was like, Oh, you can come. I'm the dungeon master. I'll tell you how to play. And I remember, it, you know, it was like five hours. We didn't even get through that much just because we had so many new people in the room. And ever since then, I was hooked. And my yeah. wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And realized that she was going to get so heavily into it as well. And she yep. was like, oh, what did you, you know, just like asking me questions. And, you know, was, was interested kind of right off the bat. So, yeah, I mean, so get, in terms of what got me hooked, just the adventure, the creating, creation of characters, the, you know, the sitting around having a beer, you know, drinking. Yeah. And having a good time with your buddies. It's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. So you, you're second generation, you say. It sounds like your wife plays. Oh, yeah. What, what's yeah. what's been that dynamic with you with you and your wife playing? How was that? Oh, it's awesome. 
well, it, it's kind of hard because, you know, she is a player in our group, and, you know, she's, she's my best friend, obviously, and mm-hmm. I share everything with her. But I'm the dungeon master, right, for our group, and I come up with all the homebrew stuff and all the lore and what's going to happen. I want to share it so badly, and I cannot tell her anything. Yeah, I I, yeah. So yeah. that's hard. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but it's, it's freaking on. Yeah, so my wife, um, she just played her first session this last Saturday. Oh, congratulations. And it was it was pretty awesome because I did my own zero session with her. Because she, she joined a group and they're at their seventh or 15th or 16th session. And she joined in at level 6 where they're at and she was really nervous. So did about, like you said, about three hours of like a zero session with her on her own. And uh, she killed it. She did the whole thing. She had a really good, had a really good time. But I had the same thing as you. She was like, "So what's going to happen next?" And I'm just like, "Well, I'm not saying anything because the game is too important, you know." Yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, in our our our, our world is uh, completely homebrew. She does help me like come up with things. Like we've been working on a pantheon together and things like that. And so yeah, it's, it's something very it's very cool to have that you know hobby uh, with your significant other. Um, also, like buying things like a Proxon and you know the stuff you can make train with, and, you know it makes it easier um, to you know not like sneak things home. Be like, oh yeah, I went and bought this for our hobby. Like, oh cool, I bought this too, and it's like you're yeah. teaming up to make it even better. So yeah, it is. It is funny when that switch happens because I was just talking to my wife the other day, and, and I, at first I was like, you're gonna want a dice tray, and she's like, no, I'll just roll on the table, and then. Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> The, the session gets over, and she's like, uh, I need a dice tray. <laughs> so then there's been, like, a whole conversation of getting a dice tray, so I, I totally understand that. Have you ever killed her Have you ever killed her player? Uh, it was supposed she, yeah, <laughs> uh, kind of. So it was, a, it was a kill, but then came back to life yeah. for a redemption arc. So it was super, super cool. Um, but basically what had happened is she was playing this uh, rogue, made this character like 10 years ago and like was really committed to her and um, you know, we finally put her into a campaign and played with her for like two years we got to like uh, this labyrinth was like the final kind of uh, um, like dungeon to get through getting to the end there was a choice that like the keeper of the labyrinth gave like you know get the, uh, the item at the end save land essentially and it was either sacrifice a member of the party or like let a new disease upon the land I didn't tell them this, but that would have actually triggered a, a zombie apocalypse, and you could have had a cool zombie apocalypse uh, campaign yeah. out of that. Um, but her character immediately like volunteered. I will, I will, I will do it before they can stop her. She just went in and died, but then uh, came back to life uh, with a with another with a multi-class warlock, having found um, favor with the the patron uh, of, uh, that, we, that we made as the, essentially the god of morality. So I was really really impressed with with that and grant her some power so so yes and no i it was like a 90 percent kill but <laughs> was it was it one of those situations where you killed her and then two hours of not talking to you she just looks over to you and says you better bring me back or was it one of those where she was like okay i'm gone and then you brought her back in anyways she was she was ready to go yeah you know, and um she because she had kind of you know you know People at my table, they like to use their characters to learn things about themselves. And, yep. you know, they put, they put a little piece of themselves in every character. And she was like, no, I'm ready, ready to start a new one. And kind of, I think, almost glad. I mean, very, very sad that she's dead. But then, you know, I brought her back and told her what the powers were. And she was, like, like, really, really hyped up. And everybody at the table was, like, crying at this point. And then they were mad. Everybody at the table was mad. Was like, you planned this with your husband. <laughs> like, no, 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 this wasn't planned. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, so, so we're, we're probably going to make this a couple's, <laughs> like a couple's whole talk because, um, yeah. with me and my wife and it's one of the topics we, we haven't really discussed at RPD. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It, it, this is a weird game where it requires like a good table to play. If you're on a bad table, it's not fun. If you're on a good table, it's fun. Um, have you guys incorporated bringing other couples in, you know, when you have a kids eventually, it's, it's it's only fun to hang out with couples who have kids. Is that kind of something you incorporated in D anD D, where you're like, we're a couple, yeah. you're a couple, they're a couple. That's that's kind of how our group 
set of three couples. <laughs> it's rough wolf, yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, and these are just, you know, friends um, that we, well, one of them, one of them is my sister-in-law, my wife's sister. Um, so it's, you know, my sister and brother-in-law who are, you know, married, and then um, two, two friends of ours who we've been friends with for probably over 10 years at this point. And we were just playing on the side, you know, getting together locally, like playing at a table with Austin, and we just decided to stream it. Um, and so, yeah, it, uh, one of the couple other couples that we play with has kids, and so it does kind of put us in the same boat of like, um, like we have this whole time leading up to game night where we're putting our kids to bed in parallel, <coughs> right? Um, well, and they live you know a couple states away now, so they're you know like uh, they're in their state doing it, and we're doing it, but yeah, but we're like putting our kids to bed, and then we get on and say, okay, our kids are finally asleep, like we can play now. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you kind of alluded to streaming and. StoryForge kind of basically is what we're going towards here. What is StoryForge? Yeah. How did it start? And what have, what have been some positive things that have come from it? Oh, yeah. So StoryForge is, you know, as I as we describe it, just a, a group of good friends that is getting together, playing a homebrew 5e campaign, having a lot of fun, uh, making new friends on the internet. Um, it just started as a local play group on our own. And we just, you know, played. We had a lot of fun. And my wife, Ariel, she said, hey, you know, we should stream this. And we were like, eh, I'm not really sure about it. I, you know, put, putting something like that out in the public for people to see is kind of nerve-wracking. Me as the DM, I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to put that up there. <laughs> yeah. And have people be like, this guy DMs like crap. But yeah. um, we kind of eventually she convinced us, and it was a, it was a good idea because, you know, we've, we've made a lot of friends. You know, we've, we've, we've collaborated with other people, and it's, it's very, very cool. Um, everybody out there who's yeah, it is weird. One, when you when you start DMing for other people or internet people on the internet, you get the imposter syndrome feeling like I shouldn't be DMing, I sh- you know, I shouldn't be doing this. But the number one rule at every table, and everybody out there who criticizes, and there's not very many of them, many of them, is if everyone at the table is having fun, if nothing else matters, right? Oh yeah. You know, and and if everyone at the table is having fun, that's the way it is. Some people play a very hard nosed game. Level one, you roll the hit dice. I don't care if you die. And some people sit, play like, oh, you're starting at level five. You have three magic items. Let's play. And both types of games can have a lot of fun with different types of people. And that's a really good thing about D&D is, and I think if you look in the 5e rule book, it emphasizes a lot, especially in the Dungeon Master Guide on homebrewing, uh, variety rules or secondary rules or you know other rules. Um, and I think that's the reason why is because this game can be so left and right or you know, back and forth compared to one another. It's so much fun. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, the rules are just, just guidelines, right? And that yeah. is, I would agree. That's, that's a very, very, that's a very very cool thing about D&D. Is it's just anybody's style. I mean, you can do with it whatever you want. You want to have swords and laser beams and all sorts of crazy stuff? Go ahead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, so we, it's, it's funny because you're kind of like, you're kind of like the forward trajectory of where we are at right now as far as couples go because my wife just played this last Friday. This Sunday, for the first time, all of us in RPD are getting our wives to play for the first time at the very first session of our couples campaign. Um, and I have to say, with my wife playing this last session, I'm really excited because my group is very much like, get to the dungeon, kill the demon, go to the next session, kill everything. They never run from a fight. But when I noticed my wife joined the party, it was very much like the, the dynamic changed. Like, oh, let's talk to this person. Let's, let's, let's talk to the shopkeeper. Let's get this thing figured out. And it was actually better. It's like a, an overall more balanced game. Do you have the same feeling? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my, my first group back in college, you know, it was just a, just a bunch of guys hanging out, having fun. And it was like, yeah, it was like, we don't talk that way. We go to the dungeon and we kill things. That's yeah. all we're doing. And um, with our group, it's a lot more into storytelling, a lot more in RP. Like our last session, we, we did zero combat last session. It was pretty much all RP, like three hours of RP and storytelling. And um, I mean, there were checks here and there, right? But you know, no, nothing <coughs> died. So it, it's yeah. pretty cool. But there's things, there's things I would never think of myself you know, that get inserted and get brought up that I think make the game a lot better. Yeah, people I'm, under, I'm very excited. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm, I'm excited too. I'm nervous. I've, I have the same thing as you though, because I'm used to like this hardcore group where they're like, if I die, I die. I'm fighting until I die, you know. And now I'm, I'm trying to get people who've never played to play and people who, their husbands, this is their entire life and it's their loved one that they want to play. So now I'm like, oh, I got to get the story right. And it's got to be more difficult enough to be challenging all this. Um, but ultimately I'm excited, you know, because I know how great this game can be and how fun it is. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is tough to balance all that, definitely. I, I would agree. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you get going in a new group and you get your flow going and, you know, it just gets easier, right? It gets easier. And one thing I'll say is, as a DM, I don't, I don't know what you call this. I always want to call something I experience some phenomenon. But when you DM the, a group for a first time or you DM a one-shot for somebody you've never DM before, you almost feel like you have no idea how you did until it's over, and then someone says, when we play again. Like, when you get those, yeah. like, beloved words of, like, oh, my gosh, that was awesome, we play it again, or they can't stop asking you about it. But the whole can't, like, the whole session, it's, it's, there's too much going on to read people's faces. So you're up there, oh, yeah. like, like, you're the worst stand-up comedian, and you're just, like, eating <laughs> plates of crap. <laughs> but, like um, somebody gets so into it, <clears throat> something might make them mad. Oh, like, yeah. That, like in in the game, you know, like oh, they can't do that. And you're like, oh shoot, like I've done something wrong. Like yeah. I'll, I'll never forget uh, one Thanksgiving. Um, you know, me and my wife. This is how we got my sister-in-law and, and her husband into D and D. Is they've been, <coughs> we've been talking, trying to get them to play D for like a year. Finally said, okay, for Thanksgiving we'll we'll just get together and we'll play D and D. And so like, you know, a couple weeks, I put together this campaign we could play together. And I helped them with their character sheets, and they were like, okay, this will be pretty cool. And we played for like six hours, and there were times when I was like, eh, I hope they're not too bored, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, and finally they got to the end, six hours of playing, and uh, my sister-in-law was like, that's it? We're yep. done? Yep. I was like, that took me like four weeks to put together, come on. <laughs> yeah. but, and that was like, for me, that's like the defining moment in my yep. DM career. It's like the best I've ever gotten response. Yep. Yep. Yeah, when, but I, 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 yeah, yeah. When when you get the when you get the um, I'm not leaving the table response, it's the best one yet. So my my group, the one we just played last last Saturday, um, I they they ask can we make it a little shorter? Because we usually go about seven to eight hours. Like that's usually what we do. We do a long session because that's just the way this group is. They're like they want to play a lot. So. My wife was joining, and another guy, he's been traveling like an hour uh, and a half maybe every session. He's like, can we make this like four or five? I said, okay, you know, that, that's fine for me. So I made it, I hit it at four hours, and I left it on a cliffhanger because, you know, that's the best thing to do as a DM. I think it's so much fun. You can leave it on a cliffhanger. Left it on a cliffhanger, and I'm like, uh, I kind of paused there for a second. I'm like, no, like, that's it. We're done. And they all looked at each other, and they all looked at Mike. He's the one who's got to drive an hour and a half. And Mike's like, oh, we're not done. And, <laughs> and I was like, no, that's all I planned for. He's like, no, 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 we're not done. And I looked at him. I was like, bro, you told me, you know, we're going to make this like shorter. And he's like, my wife's going to have to understand because we're not done. So we ended up playing another three hours. Wow. Yeah. You, you were able to come up with stuff for another No, 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 no. No, I, I, I thought that might happen. So yeah, okay. I, I prepped hard for it. I don't get it twisted. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't just like, all right, I guess keep going. No, I, I in case it did happen, I was like, okay, I, I know these people are kind of like, they get antsy, so. Um, sure, sure. <clears throat> but let's talk about prepping for a second. What, what are some of the things that are different going from being a player to a DM as far as prep? Um, and how have you evolved over the years from doing that? Yeah, so that's, that's a good question. So, you know, as a player, I, I don't want to say like it's, you know, it's a lot less work, but it, it is a lot less work. Uh, up front, but it is, I think, in terms of prepping, you're, you're prepping your storyline, you're prepping your weapons, what, you know, if I have a spell cast, what spells am I going to use? Uh, what am I going to try to accomplish next session? Um, and so, and, and that's, that's, that's kind of from a player standpoint. From a, you know, the, a DM standpoint, it depends on what you're doing. If you're running a module, you're, you're reviewing the module materials, and you're, you're just making your plan for the next session. Uh, I, I'm a home brewer. And I have been, like, designing and building things in this world for uh, probably since 2013 or 2014. So it's been you know, it's stuff that's all just been in my head for forever. Uh, and so for me, it's sometimes it's going to the memory bank and, and pulling something out and putting it 
uh, into the encounters or, or whatever, maybe preparing any loot that I know might come up first thing, any NPCs that need to be prepared. Then what I always do too is I take like half hour to an hour, like day of the uh, the, the, the quest we call it, um, and just you know go over everything that I have, um, any last minute you know items I need to add, and then um, obviously you need, I try to play a little bit sandbox where the characters can do whatever they want. So I try yeah. to think of a few different things that I can prep in a general sense to try to handle stuff. So, yeah. 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 And then of course session zeros. I mean we did a big session zero for this campaign um, where we prepped for three or four months storylines and all sorts of stuff and I prepped you know, all these awesome you know, story points and stuff or story beats uh, so yeah it was just, just a lot of prep as much as you can <laughs> yeah it, it seems like every DM preps a little differently um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure one I'm one of them that preps quite a bit it sounds like you are too I know some that can just say, they say oh I only do about an hour and I wing it Hats off to you. I can't do that. I need to prep extensively. Um, yeah, yeah. But you mentioned something that I notice a lot of, of long-time DMs. Usually, this is the route that I see. They, they usually pick up a module. They might do a module or two. And then they decide, I need to create my own homebrew world. Mm-hmm. It seems like you made that decision. Um, obviously, if you watch Critical Role, Matt Mercer, Brennan Lee Mulligan, Abria Arngar, they all make their own worlds, and they've all said publicly, um, I just need to do it. I couldn't do the module. I, I found the same route. Um, yeah. Why did you inevitably, inevitably go that same route as Homebrew World and put all the time into it? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely more work, but it definitely helps me with the passion of DMing. You know, we're, like, the modules are very cool, and it's you know cool to play in a pre-built world, but cool to write your own stories in your own world with your own continents your own pantheons uh, and you can write about how the world came to be you can do anything you want and um, when I started out it was actually kind of more a way for me to, to take breaks during during work <laughs> um, so I sit at a desk and I, I do coding or you know, whatever at my job and sometimes I just need a mental break and I'd sit there and come up with something for the world and write my notebook so it was just a passionate thing for me to do during the workday, and eventually, after doing that for a few years, you know, it became a, a D&D quest, so, um, yeah, I, I just, and for me, it's like going to a module, I'm like, I, that would feel so rigid and strange to me, because, you know, I have this homebrew world I built that I, that I love, and, and my friends yeah. have helped me too, so, it's very cool, yeah. What is the moment, I think everybody who creates their home homebrew rules, homebrew worlds and everything, they have that. At that moment where you said you're at work, or I'm mowing the lawn, or I talked to uh, the hunter, he said he's at his daughter's soccer game, and like all of a sudden, you see something in your head, and it just like clicks, and you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to do for this part of the world, or with this dungeon. Um, What what, what is that time for you? When do usually is something click to you, and and where do you get the inspiration from? Yeah, so I am a big history nerd, so when I I would say I had a lot... 2015 till 2020, it's like like a history book here, but um, I w- it was probably when I was heaviest in building like the foundations of the homebrew world. And I read a lot about like ancient history and how like you know, geopolitics worked and how governments worked, uh, what what drove you know like people to join the army in the Roman Empire, for example, or, or you know how were societies you know shaped in the in the East and you know over in um, where where China is. Or, you know, something like that. So history has always been something that, you know, really drives that for me. And so I, a lot of what I do is kind of based off of something from history. Um, in terms of what clicks as to what's going to happen next, um, you know, I have been kind of improving my, my improv skills. And having a lot of these continents and cities and towns and, and people kind of laid out, it, it becomes a little easy to kind of, like, procedurally generate things as you're going along. So it's... Um, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I get all that. Um, do you... Uh, well, let me ask you this question first. What's your favorite NPC you've ever played? Oh, jeez. There's, there's a lot of them. <laughs> um, yeah, it, so there's an NPC from our last campaign. Um, his name was Utz. His name, so he was this... Uh, 
I like that. He's my favorite because of what my party did with him, and I didn't expect them to. So they were running from this invasion, from this, this invading army, and trying to get to, you know, over the river, over the, the mountains to the, the safe zone, essentially. And they had to go through this old mine through the, the mountains. And all that. Almost, like, almost like Mines of Moria, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and it had been caved in for centuries, for decades. And they found this crazed dwarf at the bottom of the mine who had just been living off of, uh, like, the roots from this giant tree that was growing out of the side of the mountain, and it drove him crazy. So he was kind of uh, a little little animalistic, a little you know, a little out of control. Um, I had a rule for them that said, like, you know, when every hour you have to say, where's us? And if they don't say that, I, like, rolled on a, on a table to see what he was doing, and I'd be like, oh, he's, uh, he's peeing on that wall over there. <laughs> um, but... You know, I thought uh, at the bottom of the mine, either they're gonna they're gonna do two things with him. They're gonna leave him there, or they're gonna kill him. They're like, we have to help him. And so I was playing this kind of crazy dude who he talks and he'd be like, ah, rude, I must eat rude. Like, I don't <laughs> like rude. So he was, he was crazy. And they managed to convince him to leave the mine by you know like taking his roots with him and stuff. And you know, and eventually they brought him to Vita, which is the capital of the city. Um, they were. The capital city of the nation that they were in at the time, um, and the, essentially the archdruidus who worked there was the like Kirim of the Sickness. They found out, in fact, his name was Umber Thurloche. Um, he was from the west, from a dwarven uh, kingdom from the west. He was actually a prince who had been trapped down there, a dwarven prince trapped down there. So that was like a ton of fun because it was kind of this little crazy dude who tagged along with them, and he was fairly endearing, <laughs> and then turned out to be this really sophisticated gentleman. Um, who they who almost sacrificed himself at the end to, to save the rest of the party. So it was pretty cool. That that would be my that would be my favorite. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. Um, yeah. yeah. Has there ever been a situation where you like thought of an NPC on the fly or someone who wasn't supposed to be a huge character, but your party kind of clinged on to it and it ended up being like a larger uh, overall story arc? Yeah. So there was one Tomorrowland. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's some from this campaign, but this one you know, speaks to me a little more. Um, well, one of the um, my sister-in-law's character was kind of flirting with one of the town guards, and he like asked her out on a date, and then um, this guard turned out to be like a werewolf, right, and attacked her, and then they kind of went on this hunt to, to, to hunt down the werewolf, and then she ended up getting you know, like a disease and lycanthropy from it, and we're actually forming another. Um, like after the thought, after the fact, uh, like three shot quest to deal with that whole like anthropy piece. So it's not really like the NPC was with us for a long time, but it like that happened and it branched off and formed like a new whole new um, three shot, you know, yeah, new storyline. And that was just I thought of it right in the minute. And I'm like, uh, he's there to go on a date and he's gonna turn out to be a werewolf. <laughs> so yeah, and it was it was cool. Yeah, it's funny how that ends up. You think of something on the fly, it ends up being really 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 good actually yeah yeah absolutely definitely yeah what about your campaign have you had anything uh every every single one of them every single one of them, every single one of yeah, them. We, yeah we well when i was a fresh dm uh a year ago now when we first started i just we one of the first second or first or second session they were going i was making a mistake as a dm and they decided to go off the beaten path of the storyline and so I decided to make them veer back to it um, with an NPC, this really plumpy white dragonborn um, named Borwick. And <clears throat> they clung on to him. They thought he was like the savior of them. And thank God they got him back on the right path or where they were originally looking when they were going to go to the side quest and all this stuff. And then it was like four sessions in and I'm trying to get rid of him. He's got to leave. He's trying to leave town. And they're like, no, no, we can't let you leave town. We're going to protect you. And he's like, okay, his family is like dead. Like he's got, he wants to leave now. I'm like, no, we have you. And I'm like, gosh darn it, this is what I get for trying to just bring them back in. So, um, but now I just let them do whatever they want, and then wherever the story goes, the story goes, which is which has been that's cool. best for me. Yeah. It's oh, hard yeah. as a DM, as a DM, uh, and you could probably test to this. It's hard to just let everyone do whatever they like. If they decide to go super left, you're like, man, but I have this awesome storyline. What if they go over here? It's like a weird push-pull because you want them to have all this freedom, but then you want them to stay on some sort of a track. Um, sure, yeah. 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 I, I gave up with having them go on some sort of a track uh, about 
10 sessions ago. Um, oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, so they just do their own thing now, which it turns out to be really a lot better. Like, I, I do a homebrew world myself, and so I know a lot of history about it. I put a lot of time into it. So they're like, we want to go across you know, the river over to here. And I do actually have a little thing in my notebook. It's only a sentence or a paragraph, but it's enough sure. where I'm like, okay, let's go over there and see what – let's explore it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah so I've, what a, I've got a lot of empty space in my world still. So sometimes yeah, same I here. generate something new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't fill everything. It's very difficult, yeah. It's very difficult to fit everything. I did give them one stipulation, even though we're on essentially a flat earth world. I just said, hey, for this campaign, until we get to like level 10, 11, 12, 13, can you please stay on this continent? That was like my only rule to them. Like, we can do whatever you want on this continent, but if you leave this continent, it's going to be 100% nothingness. Like, I have a map, but I don't have stories, you know? So that was like my one rule for this campaign. Please don't leave the continent until we get to a higher level. That's, um, a, that's a good idea. I, I told my my party, I was like, you you can go wherever you want. So yeah, I kind of set myself up for something yeah. uh, big at some point. Yeah, we're but taking we spent fourteen sessions in the same town, so you know, and then yeah. that happened. So <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, 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 and you can honestly, if you look at like a, a sizable city, you could spend a whole campaign in a sizable city if you really wanted sure. to. Oh, um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, do you watch Critical Role? Yeah, I've, I've watched some of it, yeah. What are your thoughts? I think it's pretty cool. You know, the production value is pretty fantastic. You know, the fact that they're voice actors, that's very cool. I mean, they, they do a very good job with that. And, you know, obviously Matt Mercer's uh, world is, is pr- pretty pretty nice, you know. So I, I like it, yeah. Yeah, there's, it's, it's some people don't like it, some people do like it. Some people don't like 5e. Um, I started playing 5e, so maybe I'm biased but for me 5e makes a lot of sense um and where i see yeah go go ahead yeah, t- yeah. no no t- tell me about your thoughts on 5e because i'm interested well, i was gonna say i i really like 5e so i started in 4e <clears throat> and if you go back it's very technical it's, it's not a bad game you know it gets a bad rap um but yeah, it's very like you probably spend more time calculating things than playing um i like 5e because they trim a lot of that out I don't want to say it's bare bones, but it's like a good, you know, 60% of what 4E was, where you can have some really awesome role, role play, really good gameplay and mechanics, but you can still keep the game moving. So, um, for me, that was kind of my experience. How come, how come nobody talks about 4th edition? Have you ever it's, noticed that? Uh, yeah, it, I think it's the, they verged a lot from, like, I think 3.5 was, like, beloved, right? Yeah. And 4E, I think, had like a leveling system, and they had you know, all sorts of different, you know, leveling as opposed to CR. Yeah. Um, they had all sorts of different. I, I just remember, I don't remember anything specific, but I just remember just spending so much time trying to figure out what this does and what that does, and, you know, calculating this special. Oh, but you're bloodied, so we need to subtract this from this. And it was more, you know, if you had a computer that could just do all that for you on the fly, it would be really cool. Um, a lot more tactical than current dungeons, you know, fighting. Um, so I, I think just cumbersome to play is, is what I would I would label it as. Yeah. Uh, really flock to it. I, I've talked to on the podcast, I've talked to people who've played from first edition to now. I've talked to people who are diehard 3.5 players, diehard Pathfinder first edition. Most people I talk to are part of the 5E baby boomers, I like to call them, because with the 5E wave came a bunch of players, sure. and I'm, I'm one of them. Um but nobody ever talks about 4th edition. And if they do talk about it, it's like talking about Vecna. They're like, yeah, don't we talk about that. We don't talk about 4th edition. Yeah, we're not going to talk about 4E. <clears throat> yeah, it's, yeah. One of those, it's one of those weird things. Um, it had some cool art. I love the art in 4E. Uh, but yeah, mechanics-wise, game, you know, it was just, just cumbersome. That's how I describe it. So do you usually, do you, you kind of mentioned you play all uh, online, or do you have a home game, in-person game? Yeah, so we play in person when we can. Uh, so we used to play in person every time. And, you know, my wife and I, we live on a little hobby farm out in the middle of nowhere, and it does take a little bit of time to get out here. Yeah. Uh, so that was a little cumbersome, you know, doing that like every other week for, for the other two couples. But they still did it. It was it was incredible. Um, and then one of our couple friends moved uh, 
few states away to New York, so now we're pretty much online. But they are coming home for Fourth of July, so we're actually very exciting. We're all going to get together here in the basement on Saturday and play. And that's like that is like the best way to play, in my opinion, in person. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so good, so good. But you know, ninety-nine percent of the time we're online. Yeah, I mean, you have the convenience of being online. Um, if someone has a camera, a, a mic, good setup, it's very good. Like it's very good. But there are some issues, like someone doesn't have good internet, you know, someone has a power outage. Um, so, some people I found in like the online community, some people like don't take the t- it's as seriously. Like they, sometimes people just won't show up every once in a while, um, which is fine. Like if we have a big group, I don't care. But like as a DM, if you prepare for like encounters that are level five, five players, this encounter, one doesn't show up. Now you could TPK your party. So uh, I will say that, but I agree with you. When you're playing in person, um, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, you, you kind of mentioned your sister-in-law played six hours, then all of a sudden it was like, yeah. wait a minute, I, we're, we're done? Like, we've only been playing for an hour. It's like, whatever her name is, Krista, look at your clock. We've been playing for six hours. It's weird how it, like, time flies like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is It is pretty nuts. You know, you kind of get lost in it. Um, and I love it. And I remember back in my college days, it was, it, and I missed this about – being in college that we were all were in the same apartment complex so you just walk a couple doors down to um, you know my, my friend's house and we you know they everybody be there and it's and, and there you go you know it's, it's almost effortless <laughs> yeah yeah you know, when you're married it's, it's not yeah, yeah. It's not. And, and in kids um, <clears throat> yes. usually you always have to play at night you can't play because we used to play you know before kids we'd play we'd start like 10 o'clock in the morning and go till Five o'clock. That's fantastic. I've I've done that in years. I can't watch a three-year-old and do that for six hours. So yeah, yeah. Well, when the kids get out of the house, you know, so when we're when we're close to retirement, the kids are out of the house, we can start playing at six a.m. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) Which will be nice. Early bird special. Yeah. Well, you know what's weird about D and D is I think it's going to go in that direction. I think, I think. Since I've joined, which has been you know three or four years now, and and I'm sure you've seen it since you started with the popularity of Critical Role, Vox Machina, Dimension Twenty, Stranger Things, you're getting such a boost of of content and people playing, people get it really good at playing, and the levels of the game are so incredibly. There's like such high level games now. Like we're putting making my garage will be a dungeon in the next couple months. I have a 40 inch TV. I have sideways that we play most of our game on, like, you know, incarnate maps, everything, and we have speakers, and we're going to have LED lights, and I'm just a regular person in Springfield, but if you look on TikTok, or you look at, you know, what you're doing with streaming, everybody's playing these ridiculous games that are, like, super high quality, and I think it's one of those things that, like, I think I'll honestly be playing into my 50s. Sure, yeah. I mean, they, there's that one guy in Canada, right? He's had a campaign going for 30 years he's a history yeah. professor have you heard of him? Yeah. yeah no i've seen it yeah it's it's uh it's like the dream like everybody talks about it like what if we had a whole basement what if we had every mini imaginable and what if um we played for 30 years in a row it's like it's like one of those scenarios so um, yeah. that, that's like that's like my group's goal basically is to keep playing till we're old and, and it, that's a, that's another cool thing about being married to your your well, be married to your dd partner your 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 partner being in the really into D and D is like you know building a room dedicated to gaming in the basement is like like yeah let's go for it. Whereas maybe if your partner's like I really don't like that, why would you spend all that time and take up half the basement for that? It's like yeah. you know it makes your decision that much that much easier, right? Yeah. To do it together. So. Yep, it is. And um, I told my wife today because I've been working on this garage basically by, by myself, but I've had a, a few of the players help. And uh, she was like, let's put a screen in the garage door so we can keep the door open so it's a little bit cooler in here. And I was like, oh, so what? Are you going to help me do the garage now? And she's like, I would have helped you before, but now I'm definitely going to help you. And I was like, okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cool, yeah. It, it's something special when you can play with your significant other. Um, yeah. And to that note, I did an interview with someone uh, named Bonus Mom on TikTok. She's a 70-year-old uh, D&D player, and she plays with her son, who's the DM, and her husband, who's a retired preacher, and their daughter-in-law, and a few others. I think they have both their sons, one of their stepdaughters or daughter-in-law, I mean, and then those two play, and there's two more uh, other players. 
but she's she just started playing a few years ago, and she has a TikTok now. I, I interviewed her, and um, it seems like their their bond is so cohesive because they've had a five year campaign with the with the family nucleus around it. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And you have kids too, so yeah, yeah. We, we have we have our three year old, and um, there's a like a kids version of D and D. Uh, but there's this other module I've been looking at for years. Like, before I even became a parent, I was like, when I have a kid someday, we're going to play this. It's called Amazing Tales. Have you ever seen that? No. Um, so it's like it's like uh, D&D, but for, like, you know, like four or five-year-olds to, you know, and, and up. And you can get a special edition of the game that comes with, like, a coloring book with the characters they can color. Oh. It's very cool. So Super cool. I'm like, we're, like, already getting ready to do that. So, What's it called? Um, it's called Amazing Amazing yeah. Tales. Okay. Yeah, there's a, a book version and a PDF version. Okay. We'll check that out. Um, I have a six-year-old. He's almost seven. And another guy I play with, um, he has a seven-year-old. And we he got me hooked on to something uh, we do about once a month. It's called Hero Quest. Um, it's very similar. It, it, it This was like when D&D came out. This, this, yeah. six, this came out right after it. Well, he was at the game yeah. store, and they were doing a... Um, throwback game sale they would sell like the original red boxes of D&D and he saw Hero Quest and he sent me a picture of it and he's like dude we have to play this with the kids and I was like dude I don't know what that is because I just started playing 5e so I was like I don't know anything about Hero Quest and he's like it's, it's D&D for kids it's not really D&D for kids it's basically Candyland but when you move to certain spaces a goblin appears or uh, you know yeah it's, it's like that and you don't you don't see it until they move to it and then the DM will look at his list or whatever or snap and they'll put down what's there and you have to find the big bad at the end of the board um so pretty yeah my cool. it is it was pretty cool and my son loved it and he played a wizard so he's like we're we playing hero quest again so i'm like i'm trying to keep calm because i don't <laughs> i don't want to get too excited because if, yeah. if i find out he's really into D, it's like my dream is probably yours too like if i'm if i'm 50 years old and my kids are 30 or 20 or playing D still um that's a pretty good life yeah, it's a fantastic life. Yeah, I know. I know my kid is, is so far you know, pretty into the things I like. I've got, um, you know, we we talk about D and D. He asks if he can play and things like that. We're like, oh sure, buddy. You know, and so we we got the you know the amazing tales for him, and and uh, he he's come up with you know some characters on his own before. That's usually like, oh, I want to play as the knight. He'll say, and yeah, like that. So it's, it's cool. So I, I I'm in the same boat as you. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Yeah, yeah, that that's a whole new interesting thing. Um, but speaking of kids playing D and I've I've interviewed three or four people who eighth graders are playing D and D, high schoolers are playing D and D. When I was growing up, I didn't I didn't have access. We didn't know what D and D was. I knew it was around, but I, I didn't have access to it at our schools. It seems like it's becoming a more popular thing, and, and we're not talking about nerds playing. We're talking about regular people. I mean. Yeah. My wife is the most, you know, regular housewife that you could imagine. And she's playing D&D. And she's telling her church friends. And they're like, what is this? And my wife's like, I'm telling you it's fun. Now they're playing. Um, what is it the last couple of years? What do you think that attributes to? We're getting this, this influx of players and, and all these non-nerds playing, if you will. It, it, I think it's fantastic. It's, it's gone, like, mainstream almost. And yeah. I, I, I see a lot of kids doing it. And, like, my brother... Know, and he's only six years younger than me, um, but when like, like after you know, I graduated and he ended up going to high school, like they had like an actual game design class that one of the teachers put together. And he like joined it, and it was like, like it, it like filled up like, uh, like before you know it, it filled up and they had to make another one. Um, so I, I do think it's going more mainstream. And I think that's really cool because you know, when I was trying to do it when I was a kid. Um, it wasn't really the it was the nerdy kids doing it right, not 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 the cool kids. And now if it's something that everybody can you know, participate in, that's 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 awesome, fantastic. Yeah, and I think you're probably the same way as me. And when I'm building this garage, I don't want to just build this garage so me, my wife, and our couple's friends can play. If I find anybody who's like really wanting to play, I want to build this amazing dungeon. So when they show up, it's like, oh, you're definitely getting the next level you're coming into a dungeon like that's your first yeah. uh, representation of what's happening um have you entertained like another group as a dm like yeah, taking so on another just, another group yeah 
just recently I, I took on another group. Uh, so my friends from my old company I worked I, uh, that I worked for, um, you know, and it's one of my good friends, you know, he's from Michigan, and then the other guys that played, they're actually all originally from Italy, um, and they all wanted to play, the guys from Italy wanted to play characters out of, like, medieval Italy, so we, we did that. And, uh, yeah, so that's been uh, an, an interesting experience because it was, you know, I, I had to take a step back because I was so used to my usual group who's, like, really experienced, you know, RP is, like, top-notch, like, way better than mine yeah. and um, so easy to work with. I had to, you know, I had to teach them how to do things, work a little slower, and um, it was, it's crazy how fast people pick up, like, the game and, like, RP and stuff like that. And it was, <laughs> they're a little murder hoboey, but it was, it was yeah. so much fun nonetheless. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier when you talked about trying to get into D&D and you found someone who is knowledgeable. If I had to go back to when I was a first first time DMing, trying to teach people about D and D and how epically I failed, luckily my group really wanted to play, so we kind of just learned together. But now that I'm I've gone on to to DM a couple more groups, and now I'm going to be DMing the very first new group, like like three out of the six players or don't even know what dice are. Basically, is where they're at. Um, yeah. I've noticed with my wife last week, she asked me every any question she could ask me. I was like, oh, yeah, you just go to the chapter five of the player's handbook, four, page 42. It can tell you everything you need to know about your equipment. And I was like, what's proficiency? I'm like, oh, proficiency scales, it's this and that, this and that. So I was able yeah, to yeah. bring it, like, break it down Barney style for everything. And even when it came to different books, like, she's like, well, it says that this is in Xanathar's Guide and says this is in Tasha's. And I just opened up every single one. Yep, page 142. This is, there's everything you need for a sorcerer right here so if you want to look at it you can pick this you can pick that you can pick this i yep. know it's confusing but it's all right here and it's what it is one of those games where you really kind of need it's you don't need it but it's really helpful and someone can just be like i this is how it all is i know it's a little crazy but you know we can spoon feed it to you at one at a time um and i think you you kind of brought it up earlier is 5e definitely helps with that or my wife's yeah. like what is advantage and it's like it's just, it's the easiest thing to do just roll two dice, pick the higher one. Disadvantage, exact opposite. So they did a really good job with bringing that in. And I think ultimately, I think that's why Critical Role, because Matt Mercer originally was a diehard Pathfinder player. Yeah, but I yeah. think I think what I heard in the interview that he had is he didn't want to do Pathfinder because he had all new players but one player. And he just learned that 5e was this way, so he switched over to 5e. And thank God he did because if you watch Critical Role, you can, you can really kind of, up on 5e sure yeah you, you can learn 5e just by watching it I mean, yeah it's it's they, they made it's, it's that easy and translates that well into that sort of medium so it's it's definitely cool but i definitely think you need um if, if you can you know having somebody to help you create your character you know in the start definitely helps like um we just had a new player join our group and um I know he's like um, experienced in D&D and has watched a lot of Critical Role. But even him, you know, like, you, know, you got to work with the Dungeon Master, you know, to get the character into the game story-wise. And, yeah. You know, we, we work with stats and stuff. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot easier than Tori, that's for sure. Yeah. So. And a lot of it is just reading. Like, once, you, once you've read through the Player's Handbook a few times or D&D Beyond, you start to understand what, like, the book, they have, like, reoccurring sayings or reoccurring things. Um like movement or, uh, you know, reading your action or, or bonus action or prior to your action. Like when you start get understanding the actual uh, linguistic side of what D&D Beyond and what the player's handbook saying and every single thing, um, each attack, when you're a fighter at level five, one, uh, you can have two attacks per one action, but that doesn't mean you get to do two different actions. When you start understanding the lingo of it, um, you can almost sit on the DM's screen and when someone tells you, oh, I want to do the spell, what does the spell do? Okay, got it. It does this. It, you kind of got to understand the, the language of it a little bit, too. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that, yeah. And that's easier to pick up on than 4E. I feel like I'm dunking on 4E. <laughs> uh, li literally every single person, uh, even the experienced people, like, oh, yeah. yeah, first edition, this was cool because this was, like, brand new. And, like, we rolled a hit die and we only got two points as a wizard and everyone stuck to that. And then second edition came and 
started doing roles and things like that. Third edition was okay, but 3.5 was like the coolest thing ever. Then the split happened in Pathfinder. And then it's like, oh, then 5e. And I was like, what about 4e? And everyone's like, we don't, we don't talk about fourth no, edition. We're, we're good on that. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to even acknowledge its existence. It's funny. So sure. you're not you're not the only one. Actually, most you're you're one you're one of two people I've ever talked to that's played consistent 4e. Most people I've talked to that that played it played one to two sessions and then burned the book. Yeah, yeah. It was just <coughs> I, I don't know why. Yeah, we just we just kept going with it. We thought, oh, this is just Dungeons and Dragons. It's a minute of role play and 19 minutes of figuring out calculation. So yeah, that's what, we, that's what we thought. So. Yeah, it, this, this game's complicated enough. You don't need more complications. Exactly, um, yeah. So uh, I'm going to wrap this up with one final question. I'd like to ask everybody this, just just to see what what's going to happen in the future. Where do you see yourself with uh, Dungeons & Dragons in 5, 10, 15 years? Oh, geez, that's a, that's quite a question. I don't even know where I'm going to be there next week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. TPK um, incoming. TPK <laughs> English majoring with English literature, and she loves reading and fantasy. And so, you know, I think us just doing it together and getting our son into it. Um, plus, you know, my brother's into it, my dad's into it. You know, it's kind of born into a family of that. I think it's just going to stick with me for probably forever, in one way or another. That's awesome. I, you know, I, I've invested all this into minis and terrain and, and stuff. I probably will continue that. So, yeah, I think just hopefully on an upward trajectory. Um, whether it's streaming or non-streaming, just, just continuing. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I have said, because I, I tell my players, I don't want, I've probably spent, I've, I've definitely spent thousands of dollars on d and I'm just, I'm not going to lie yeah. to anybody out there. I've spent thousands of dollars on D&D, and I'm a super frugal person. So for me, it's like the only thing I spend money on. So for all the players out there, and for any DM who's afraid to say it, never, you should never play your, you should never pay your DM unless there's a, legitimate thing going on like I'll, I'll pay my dm like there's a business or whatever but what you should do is buy your dm painted minis i'm telling everybody out there everybody out there yeah if you, if you can find a terrain and you want to buy a terrain that your dm doesn't have or a painted mini don't give them non-painted minis because we paint enough okay i paint yeah. minis all the time give them fully painted minis please and they will love you forever and it's really not that much once a month Buy something for twenty bucks. You know, a good mini yeah. is eBay's great for that. eBay, yeah. Etsy. Let me. I'll show you this on Etsy. Um, yeah, yeah. My one of my players, he bought this for twenty five dollars on Etsy and gave it to me as a gift. Oh, okay, that that's fantastic. Yeah, it's a frog human. It's a huge, huge creature. Um, yeah, it's if twenty five dollars on Etsy and and. Here. I'll show you what I just bought. Yeah, let me see what you got. Let me see what you got. <clears throat> oh, so for those of you who didn't see, it was a frog hemoth with tendrils is what I showed. Uh, those of you on the podcast who didn't see. So I just bought, um, they're still in the box. I haven't quite used them yet, but all of these, uh, these like lizard men from, from Warhammer Fantasy. All painted, all ready to go. It was great. It was like 20 bucks. There's a bunch of them. Oh, right yeah. There. That's they awesome. I not have to do anything. But they, they're they're pretty good. Yeah. I've got all these minis. I don't know. You know, I've been focusing a lot on terrain and I've been making dungeon tiles. Yeah. And I'm really kind of, I look back at minis that I painted when I first started and I was like, wow, like this yeah. hill is great because I would spend like a week on it. Yes. And yeah. now I'm like an hour and I, I'm done. I can't, can't. I'm yeah. so tired of painting these damn things. Yeah. I, I did the terrain. I, I've done terrain because I think, in my opinion, there's people who play theater of the mind. Um, I'm cool with I'm cool with all people who play theater of the mind. That's oh, not yeah. me. Yeah. That's not me. I need to have, even as a DM, I need to have it made. I make dungeon tiles. I, make, I use resin to make ponds and lakes and streams. I need to have it. So one thing I did yeah. do is I did get the TV. You put it horizontally HDMI, and I bought uh, incarnate map making software. So now I do about seventy percent on the television screen and. Uh, 30% of, you know, uh, scenes. Now, all my minis are still minis. I still drop minis on the screen, so that, sure, yeah. that that's a must. But I will say, it helped with DM burnout. 
And I'm going to do a podcast um, sometime next month that talks about DM burnout and how real it is and what people in DMs can do to alleviate. But um, the sideways TV thing, 100% alleviates a lot of DM burnout. And I was kind of worried because my group, I'm like, oh, what if they don't like the, I've been making all these elaborate scenes since day one. I'm like, what if I, you know, what if it ruins it? Um, I brought it out and they were like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm, it's 70% this, 30% um, the map. So, and, that, and that's good because, I mean, like, I also, you know, used to try to make scenes for every game. But when yeah. you're doing it once a week, yes. and you have, like, like, like I have, I, you know, we, I said we have a little, you know, small hobby farm here. We have, like, horses and chickens and ducks, and I'm working on restoring, you know, an old antique tractor, and you know, I've got work and a, and a little, yep. little kid. And yep. so you run out of time pretty quick. Yeah. I, I started making, uh, our players were just on an airship for a few uh, a few sessions, and I started making the model, and I've got like the whole thing probably eighty percent done. I just never finished it. Now they're off the airship, and I'm like, well, okay, yep. I guess this is going to the back of the shelf till I don't yeah. know five years from now. That, that <laughs> no. ha- yeah, that happens. Um, have you ever heard of skinny minis? Yeah, I've heard of those. Yeah. Okay, yeah so I I, I I bought the original the or the first. Like seventy dollars DM set, and it comes with like eighty minis, skinny minis, yeah. and ter- and like terrain. And I used it in association with my table or my TV this weekend. Um, I got a really warm reception because the art is really good, good and with the TV, it kind of like illuminates on them, so it almost makes it. Yeah. It gave it like a weird effect where I didn't uh, unsuspecting effect. So yeah. Uh, yeah, check those out too because they're not yeah. as good as minis. They're not as good as minis, but. Um, like for pillars, doors, uh, dungeons, and then they have like monsters or like if you have like 10 dwarves, like painting 10 dwarves is like a month long journey of hard work or yeah. you're paying for p- 10 painted dwarves. So I had the skinny minis and my group said, those are dope. They, they actually liked them. So um, yeah. another tip for all DMs out there who want to alleviate some DM burnout. I, I've, I've thought of going get some of those because you know i'm i'm like i think i'm kind of like you although like we do a lot of theater of the mind the encounters are more like what i map out yeah um i used to like map out every like here's the town and then here's this this is the building here but yeah yeah yeah, yeah um, same way I'll I'll, I'll 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 revisit those because I, I saw them at first and i was like i like them but they look a little too 2d and i like the 3d so um yeah no it, it's it's not it, it can't replace minis don't don't get it twisted but yeah. But if you have, like, a situation where, you know, you have, like, 10 or 20 orc, you don't have 10 or 20 orc, my table said they loved They picked them up, looked at them, like, oh, those are pretty cool, and put them down. Um, it's never going to be as good as a really high-quality painted mini, but um, it's good enough for a couple scenes. Like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, it's whatever. But, like, for the big boss battle, you know, you're going to want, you know, your 3D or whatever. Um, but I was actually more impressed. I bought them on a whim. I was like, ah, maybe I'll use them in a pinch. But I'm actually more impressed than I am, you know. I'm going to use them every, probably every session now, to be honest. Awesome, yeah, especially with that TV. I thought about going that route as well, but we'll, we'll see. I need to get through some other projects and build out the walls and everything before I think about the table more. So. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's never-ending for a DM. So, sure, absolutely. Yeah, one more time. Anybody who's a player, think about your DM. Uh, and DM burnout because it's 100% real and how much they put into it. Um, so where can everyone find you on social media? How can they connect with you? How can they play yeah. with you? Yeah, so uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can, if you just search StoryForge, you should be able to find us on Twitter. Uh, we're also over on TikTok. You'll see my wife over there a lot and me occasionally. Um, yeah. Storyforge over on TikTok and then you know here and there in Discord. And obviously, we have a Twitch channel. Um, Storyforge on Twitch. We stream uh, Saturdays and every other uh, Wednesday, both at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, well, you all heard it uh, right there. Storyforge. That's where to find um, James and Storyforge. So I just want to say thanks for coming on one more time. And it's been actually sure. a lot of fun talking about this. It was a great time. Yeah. Um, and for everybody who wants to connect, connect. Um, oh, another thing. One last thing. I just got – I saw this message when we were doing um, – on our comments, someone said uh, – there it is. Uh, role playing the generous just hit – we just hit 10K on TikTok. So um, that's awesome. And I just want to say thanks to everybody who's listening. 
Yeah, uh, I, I, that's so unexpected. We were pretty far down uh, like two hours ago, so it must have been a jump. But for everyone who uh, supports our channel, we appreciate it. Um, we're coming out with more content, going to um, not Gen Con. We're going to Fan Expo next July. And maybe we're going to meet James there uh, in August if we go up there too, yeah. which would be great. Sure. Um, otherwise, yeah. for Story Forge, we will be at Gen Con. So. <laughs> Me and my yeah. wife, yeah. All right, so whoever wants to see them, Definitely go there. Um, definitely hang out to get some pictures, play some games. I think there might be. I heard there might be some D and D games going on there. <clears throat> That's the rumor on the street, at least for uh, Fan Expo. <clears throat> so maybe you never know. At yeah. Con, D &D. <laughs> yeah, you never. <laughs> you know, I never did either. But um, one of the pr people I was interviewing said uh, the one in Atlanta they do it there, and she was invited to DM for groups that would come in. Um, so if it is there, it is very cool. If it is there, I'm playing. 